What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Pure Evil MMA Podcast. We got really a vet here on Pure Evil MMA, let alone a vet in the MMA scene, and honestly, a hero for everybody out there. And he's got some really interesting things that we've been talking about on the DL, in the DMs, DL on the, in the DMs. We got the champ, Robert TQ Turnquest, joining us once again. What's going on, champ? Not a whole lot, Eddie. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I mean, it's a, it's a little crazy here, obviously. With your background, you kind of have some insight. But with my background, uh, and a lot of family that's in the hospitals, working the front lines, and just, you know, I'm so close to New York. It's scary times, man. And I never thought we'd see something like this. So uh, how's it down there? Um, it's pretty... I won't say it's it's calm, but it's not as bad as what you're what you're dealing with. Uh, I mean, with all the the media and the hype around it, everybody's panicking about it. Uh, like I told you, I think there's more to it than what uh, what everybody thinks. I don't think it's just. Uh, and I hate being that guy that puts on the tinfoil hat and you know goes down the rabbit hole. But uh, you know, if you do a lot of research, there's too many dots that connect and kind of line up to make this some random virus that just came from a, a, bat, a fish market, you know, from a bat. Um, China lying about it, uh, you know, lying about it from the beginning, lying about the numbers, lying about where it came from. Now there's studies and tests that are coming out saying that it did come from a lab. Um, there's Dr. Fossey or whatever, head of the CDC, who in 2015 gave his speech saying that uh, in the next, um, the next presidential cycle there would be a surprise pandemic and a surprise outbreak uh that was going to happen i'll send you some links to that uh when we get off the when we get down with this um just too many things that that kind of make it really uh i don't know kind of make it really suspect um there was a harvard biochemist that got arrested back in january uh after the chinese government paid him five million dollars and he was in wuhan from december through january right so i mean there's just there's just a lot of things that you're kind of like, uh, I don't know. What do you, what, so that happened back in January. Where did you see that? Where did you see that uh, article? So that's actually, uh, it's been on the news, but they didn't like, they didn't like blow it up. It was just one of those like blurb headlines, like yeah. biochemist arrested. He had uh, three Chinese uh, interns that were also arrested with him. He got paid like, I think it was like either three or $5 million from the Chinese government. And you might have seen, like, just a quick blurb about it, and then nothing else. Like, you never heard about it after that. I, I, I think I actually did hear about that. Sorry if you guys are hearing the dogs bark upstairs right now. But I actually think I did hear about that in the news. And I actually listened to a lot of conspiracy shows. I tried searching for a lot of stuff. And it seems like they really wiped the internet clean of a lot of the stuff that uh, people want to know. And I love talking about this kind of stuff. So we definitely want to get some of those links down below. What are some of the other things that you're hearing? That's just one that happened in January. You're going so back saying the 2020. Another, another one that, that just happened recently and it happened the other night. And it's funny that you said, you know, they're wiping these things clean because I had sent my friend the link and by the time he opened it up, they had already taken it down. Wow. But, yeah, but I had screenshotted it. So, I mean, there was, there was that. But uh, there, if you uh, go on Twitter and you type in Gates hacked, um, Bill Gates, uh, the CDC, and who got hacked, uh, thousands of email addresses and passwords were uh, exploited, uh, a whole bunch of files were released, and a whole bunch of things were leaked. Um, there was video footage that was leaked. But as fast as people were able to click it and send, on, uh, send the links to their friends and stuff like that, like that stuff was coming down right away. But if you just type in uh, hashtag Gates hacked, 
um, you'll see that it, that uh, you'll see what happens. Um, it's pretty uh, it's pretty crazy, but just the fact that all right, so Bill Gates owns fifteen percent of who the World Health Organization, right? The World Health Organization uses Bill Gates Labs for I think it's something like ninety or ninety two percent of the vaccines that they distribute across the world, um, and then the CDC all acknowledging that they got hacked. But all of the information that got leaked starts disappearing almost immediately. That's so crazy because there's so many times where like we've brought this stuff up about any other situation going on in the world and it's not made a big deal. But right now it's a worldwide thing. So I'm really interested to see how many people's eyes are opened from a lot of this. And we're seeing a lot of protests in California. People like the, the stay-at-home orders. People are going crazy. Before we went live, TQ, I want to know your thoughts on this. Uh, you know, it's been really nice here in Connecticut and just going to the beats. There's so many people around there that they're not even enforcing like the six feet uh, away limit. How do you feel about that? Like, do you feel like this is, um, first, I had a couple questions about it. How do you, how do you feel like about that? Are you seeing that in your area too? Or are people taking Look, it? We are seeing that we're, we're seeing that they're trying to enforce it in every store that you go into, they have tape on the floor, you know, expands, you know, six feet apart and yeah. stuff like that. Um, did you see uh, Elon Musk's speech that he gave a couple days ago? No, I don't want to hear about it, though. So he sums it up pretty uh, pretty accurately, saying that all of this is a new form of uh, fascism and socialism. Uh, when you are telling people what they can and can't, all of our, not all of our, but a lot of our, our constitutional rights are going out the window in the name of public safety, right, and public health. Um, yes, maybe the older people or people with pre-existing conditions and young kids age three and under, uh, should be quarantined or should be self-isolating. But for the rest of the people, you know, if you have to work to feed your family and they're saying, no, you can't do that, but now you're going to have to rely on us. That's kind of like socialism. when we're saying that we're all going to rely on the or communism. Uh, so they're all Marxist, fascist, uh, Marxist, Leninist, uh, ideas. Um, when you're saying that the government is the government saying they're going to take care of us, this is for your own safety. Uh, that was pretty similar to what Hitler told the Jews. Like, this is for your safety, um, and we're going to take care of you, right? So, it it to me, it's just a slippery slope, and I don't agree with the. I agree if you want to quarantine in place, quarantine in place. But I don't agree that everybody should have to quarantine in place. I don't agree that small businesses have to close, but Walmart and all the the major. Uh, the major places can stay open so it can the virus can transmit if you're in a small business but not if you're in walmart like if you follow the same social distancing practices in you know jim's store down the street as walmart what's the what's the problem why is it that these small businesses have to close right so small things not small things that's actually a big thing but things like that would make me think that there's more behind this than just a random pandemic that that came out of nowhere and it's so weird. I, like I was saying, I watch a lot of conspiracy shows and there was one about Walmart and like twisting the words uh, being martial law. And they actually did like shut. I think it was in your area in like uh, Pensacola or something where they were shutting down Walmarts for a while. People weren't allowed. This was like last year, I think. And they were like doing test runs where people couldn't go in inside and there was like armed guards and they didn't explain to the employees or anything what was going on. I, I found it on Shane Dawson's uh, channel. I'll actually share that down below too. But do you think, you know, this is going to end or the world's going to be changing slowly into this because, you know, Americans really, they they love their freedom. 
you know? So you were seeing people go out and then we're seeing the government hover helicopters over the beach to create sandstorms to get them out of there. Or one guy I heard was uh, shot at, I forgot what podcast I listened to, was shot at just out in the ocean surfing. And it, it just seems like America's going crazy right now. So you're right, Americans do love their freedom. And I think that initially a lot of people were saying, okay, I'll give up my freedom temporarily in the name of public safety and public health. But I think that everybody's reached their limit. This is, if we continue to, to isolate and self-quarantine, this is going to do more damage uh, economically than it is um, any, anything else. There's more people that will die from starvation. There's people that will die from uh, the violence. When people, when food runs out and supplies run out, they're going to get their supplies one way or another, right? So uh, economic depression, not just in the United States, but worldwide, has been proven to be more disastrous than any type of pandemic that we could be going through. And by the way, this pandemic has a 1% mortality rate. How, like, how is that really a, a pandemic? I get that it overwhelmed the hospitals initially. And they weren't ready for it, but now they've had you know a couple months to prepare and everything. So we need to go back to living our lives. Otherwise, it's going to get really nasty really quick. Now, are you talking to other fighters, other gyms? Because that's another thing. Like, you guys got to make your living. You guys got to fight to make, uh, to, to bring home food. Like, I, the government's not going to be sending, you know, Tony Ferguson a check or anything like that. And you were seeing Dana White kind of pushing that agenda. How did you feel originally? Well, first, answer that question. Are you talking to other fighters, and how are they going about things? Are they trying to reopen? Because in Texas, I know James is trying to do that. So... The fighters that I'm talking to, almost none of them stopped training. They were all doing stuff in their garage. They would tell someone, hey, you know, come on over. Let's get some mitt work. Let's get some light rounds in this small space that I have. Um, but, yeah, you're right. They're not getting the, the same assistance that, that other people are getting. Uh, and that's the only way that they make their money. And $1,200 for two or three months, I mean, if someone was, if someone had a fight plan and their purse was, you know, 5000 or 10000 whatever it was, that $1,200 isn't going to cut it when you're – when you, that is how you make your money and your livelihood and you're going from fight to fight, this is hurting a lot of fighters. Um, I know that a lot of people are doing, I mean, you can call it speakeasy training, you know, they're doing underground stuff and they're not going to stop. I mean, they don't, they don't have a choice. They, cause as soon as they stop and then, you know, they get out of shape and then all this gets lifted and they say, all right, fights are back on. Who's ready to fight right now? Everybody's like, oh shit, I've been... I mean, I was told I couldn't go to the gym, so I haven't done anything, right? So they, they don't have a choice. They have to keep training. Now, I don't mean to switch topics. It's still on the same topic, but the whole Fight Island thing. Everybody's dying for sports right now. The Fight Island thing I thought was really interesting, and you actually said something really interesting to me that really caught my eye and got me thinking, like, that's a perfect idea because right now it, it really feels like people are coming together. And what a better way to do it with, something that me and you've been talking about wanting Bellator to do with, with you is, you know, the, the, the military and Fight Island, Ultimate Fighter with the military. What, what is your idea behind this? Because I think that would be perfect for people to come together. And What are your so, thoughts on this? I, um, I'm with you. So normally, uh, Ultimate Fighter, they do 16 uh, fighters. Um, you got four branches, Army, Navy, Marines, Air Force. Pick a weight class, four people per weight class. Uh, one representing each branch, then in each of the, the what is it, the, not the semi, the quarterfinals or whatever it is, you have four people from each each branch in the quarterfinals, right? And then they just advance on uh, from there. Um, you know, Army trains together, Navy trains together. So you'd have, you'd have to have a couple more coaches. 
Um, Who would be the coaches? I mean, what fighters have a background that you would, you would want uh, suggest so, as a coach? There's a ton of them. So, Brian you know, Stan. Neil, Mag- Neil Magny fought, uh, or not fought, but he fights in the UFC, and he was uh, prior army. Uh, Brian Stan, uh, Liz Carmouche. Um, I mean, there's actually, there's a few, uh, uh, what's the guy's name? Kyle Stewart. Kyle Young Gun Stewart, right? He's active duty. Um, there's a lot of, of active duty professional fighters. Uh, they just don't always get the same look that other guys get. Because a lot of times you're a professional fighter. Uh, I mean, you're fighting two, three, four times a year. You're in the military. You might fight and then you have a deployment. So now I'm gone for nine months or a year. And then I come back and now I've got to do a training camp. So, you know, they're not getting the same look just because they don't fight as frequently. But there's a lot of professional fighters. So I think four, uh, four people per branch pick a weight class, and I guarantee you every every branch could fill up a weight class, uh, any any weight class, 125 to heavyweight. And, and what about if, you know, Tim Kennedy? Because he would be perfect content to talk yeah. about stuff that's going on right now. It, like, I'm literally getting the chills right now thinking about it because it would be we, – we lost interest for so long in the Ultimate Fighter. It kind of seemed like the same thing over and over. This would be yeah. – per- I'm literally getting chills thinking about it because it would just be – it would feel like people are coming together and just – I like that support, and I feel like – you would be perfect for that, but you're always saying, I don't know, I, I, I don't know. But the Ultimate Fighter comes around, you're right there, you're submitting these guys left and right, and it would still be a lot of camaraderie with people you have something in common with. I love that idea. I, I think that uh, people don't realize how much the services, even though there's a rivalry, there's always a rivalry between Navy and Marines, Army and Air Force, Army, like there's just a nonstop rivalry, but there's a lot of camaraderie between all the services. Now, why don't you think, you know, Bellator, they've been doing stuff like that. Why, what's been holding you back to get on, on, to, on to one of those shows? Have you tried getting on those shows? I think we spoke about this before. So that's a, that's a good question. A uh, question that I wish you could ask uh, Scott Coker or uh, my manager, Isaac Ruiz. Um, you know, they've tried. They've had USO shows. Uh, and Isaac Ruiz has tried to get me on those shows. Um, but for some reason, I just get looked over all the time. And then I go and I look at the card because, you know, they put the lineup on, on topology or, or tons of different places. And I look at the card and you see guys with losing. So what I've been told in the past is it's just not the right time. Uh, you need to get a better record, get a three or four fight win streak going, um, something, something along those lines. Then I look at it, at it and I see that guys with a losing record are getting on, uh, guys that are making their – excuse me, their pro debut are getting on. Um, so I really don't see, like, how that comes into, into play. And when they say, it's you know, it's about the timing, when you do a USO show in Hawaii where I've lived more than half of my life, uh, and there's two, well, sorry, one main Navy base, Pearl Harbor, that's a huge base, plus there's Kaneohe, which is a Marine base, Hickam, which is an Air Force base, Schofield Barracks, which is an Army base, um, and a couple other smaller bases around there that I talk to the people that run the, the it's called Morale, Welfare, and Recreation, MWR. I talked to the MWR people, and they almost guaranteed that they would sell out the Blaisdell Arena, which is where it was held. They're like, we, we'll sell it out. We will buy the tickets, and the service members can just come pick them up for free. So, so you can't say that it's, oh, he's not going to be popular. It's, you know, ticket sales, that's one thing. Because, you know, a lot of times they make the locals sell tickets. Yeah. Um, so you can't say it's about ticket sales because I would sell out the Blaisdell Arena. Not only 
uh, family and friends would show up, but all the military support that I would get. If you put a fight in a town that has military and you tell that town, hey, you guys have a fighter that's going to be on that card, what do you think is going to happen? They're going to show up in numbers that you haven't seen before, especially for something like Bellator. Um, so why haven't I been on there? I don't know. Now, I don't know if it's okay to talk about, but I, I don't know if uh, maybe you said it publicly, but last time we talked through DMs, you said you might have had a fight coming up with a big name, and you're so excited to tell me. And then it didn't fall through, and somebody that was less, somebody that didn't deserve the spot got the spot that I oh, really want to um, see you in. You are talking, so that was actually, that was a while ago. Uh, not this November, but the November before. Wow, it was that long ago? It was that long ago, and it was, uh, <laughs> shit, what is his name? The kickboxer, kickboxer, uh, Joe, um, Joe. The one that smokes. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, my gosh. I can't think of his name right now. Joe, uh, uh Schilling. Joe Schilling. Joe Schilling. Yeah, so manager sends me a message. He's like, hey, I've got a fight, uh, you know, but it's at 185, and I'm like, all right, done. And he's like, well, you might want to see the name first, and I was like, all right, cool, who is it? And he sends it, sends it to me, and I'm like, all right, cool, done. Like, oh, so my dogs are here. That's here. all right. So, I got a thousand rats around me. So, <laughs> get out. Um, so, yeah, he sends me the name, Joe Schilling, and I'm like, all right, you know, cool. I'm, I'm still down. I'm, I'm still ready to go. Uh, my weight was good. It was a 185, so, I mean, I didn't have to cut that much weight. It was like 5, 10 pounds. Not a big deal. Uh, weight was good. I was in, in shape. I was training. And then uh, they gave it to somebody else, and this guy doesn't even answer the bell. Uh, for the second round. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, never in my life would I take a fight and then not get off the fucking stool. What, you're, you want to fight, you get a chance to fight for one of the biggest promotions in the world, and then it's a hard fight, so you don't get off the stool. You just don't answer the bell. Come on. I've, I've talked to James about this, and uh, I think it was about this time last year we were seeing a lot of that kind of happen in boxing where coaches be like, we don't want you to go back out there, and the fighters are usually like, no. Like, I'm going to die up there. And you see that yeah. with a lot of fighters. Uh, have you ever seen something like that before uh, with a big-name fight like that? Like, that had to be frustrating for Joe Schilling as well. Uh, I haven't seen it in a big-name fight. I've seen people that get delayed coming off the stool, and, you know, they get a couple extra seconds off the stool. Um, but I haven't seen it in MMA where a fighter is just like, no. Nah, well, Amanda uh, Nunes versus Raquel Pennington, I guess that's one of them. But that was a... You know, later on in the fight, I'd be going into the fifth round or something like that. Yeah. And, I mean, that was kind of, there were health reasons behind that, too, yeah. as well. Like, her coaches needed to throw the towel in. Um, but, I, to me, it was just frustrating when, you know, they they went with someone that, instead of, that was stylistically a better matchup for, for Joe Schilling. Because I, I said right away, I'm like, I'm not going to stand up with a guy that's a world champion kickboxer. I'm like, I'm definitely going to take him down. I'm going to get him to the ground. I'm going to submit him. Because I've seen his grappling, and his grappling is less than, less than stellar. I mean, it's He's a blue belt in jiu-jitsu, and it shows that he's a blue belt in jiu-jitsu, right? So, you know, he is going to be strong, but that's that's fine. It is what it is. Um, but, yeah, it, to me, it was just it was frustrating. It was really frustrating. So are you going out? Are you hunting right now? I'm, I'm looking at your Instagram right now as we speak. Uh, let me see when this post even was. Maybe it was a while ago. So in November, you're blowing stuff up in the woods. Have you been out hunting lately? I mean, can you guys even do that? What's going on with, like, outside of MMA? 
with uh, uh, you living so your life? outside of MMA, my normal routine is a lot of uh, Call of Duty, uh, a lot of drinking. And, <laughs> yeah, I go out to my buddy's place. He's got a lot of land um, about 30 minutes from me. Um, so we'll go shoot and we'll blow stuff up. Uh, we haven't gone hunting yet, um, but, you know, we, well, we were supposed to go hog hunting a couple weeks ago, and that, that just never happened. Um, but we haven't gone hunting yet this season, but, yeah, that is something we do. Um, hogs, uh, deer, goose, uh, duck, you know, whatever you want. Also, the uh, triathlon, the biking and stuff that you're doing, are you still trying to stay active like that? I'm just trying to stay in in shape. I don't want someone, when this is all over, to say, hey, I got a fight ready, and I'm like, well, I need four to six weeks to get ready. Uh, I, I am still, uh, I did a, I did a, Ironman triathlon, and uh, so I did a small triathlon first. Uh, that was when I say small, I mean it was nothing in comparison. It took me an hour and a couple minutes to finish, um, and I fell in love because it was hard as hell. You know, when you mix swimming straight onto the bike, straight into the run, uh, I didn't realize it was going to be that hard. Um, and I like things that are going to take me out of my comfort zone. Uh, so then a friend of mine, she did an Ironman triathlon. Actually, the guy that owns my gym, his wife, she did it. Um, and I told her, I was like, I could do that with no, uh, no training. I could just go do that right now. And then I realized I actually could not. So, you know, I got in shape and I did it and the hardest one day event that I've ever done in my life. Two and a half mile swim. Is that that one? It was 2.2 mile swim, uh, 112 mile bike ride, and then a 26.2 mile run. A 26 mile run? Yeah. Now. So that was 15 hours of nonstop movement. Are you serious? And for a fighter like you, I mean, for you to be struggling early on with that, and then what did you do to kind of change that up? Be like, wow, this is a lot different than MMA. Because we see a lot of football fighter, uh, football players coming to MMA, and they're like, wow, I thought I was an athlete, but this is different. Is that kind of what you experienced with that? A little bit, yeah. It was like, you know, I, I know I'm in shape, but this is kicking my ass. Like, after the first one, the first one was a 500-meter swim, a 17-mile bike ride, and a 3.5-mile run, a 3.2-mile run. And I was like, oh, that's nothing. I, I, I can crush that. And then I, I got to the run, and I was like, why am I so out of shape? Like, this is terrible. The old mile run in eighth grade feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so because it was so hard, I was like, oh, I got to keep doing this. Like, this is, this is good for me. It keeps me out of my comfort zone. So, Champ, there was something that you brought up, and I think you tagged me in, um, about Ali Abdelaziz a while, a while back. And uh, a, a lot of stuff came out a lot of people know. Do you remember exactly what you tagged me in that uh, w w was brought up? Maybe something with the PFL and his fighters or fighters coming out saying uh, how unfair or, or I forgot exactly what it was. Do you, re do you recall? I, I want to say it was an article by Zadim Karim or Zadim Karim. I, don't, I can never yes, remember. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. And uh, he had talked about how... Um, all of the Dagestani fighters, or sorry, all of the Russian fighters are all from Dagestan. They're all under his his uh, management, and how all the contracts are lopsided for the initial fights. How the initial fight would be them versus you know somebody, um, and they're getting twice as much or three times as much as uh, that other person is. Um, and it was because somebody suggested that because uh, when it was World Series of Fighting. Uh, he was on their board of directors. He was a talent relations manager or talent relations individual or whatever. So somebody was suggesting that they removed him from the board because they got caught doing shady stuff. Um, 
and then because they removed him, that was their way of basically reimbursing him for the money that he lost, was giving all of his fighters a bigger payday, knowing that he was going to get a chunk out of that money. Because also, uh, you know, I think you've said this to me, you look at any PFL card, and it's like 80% of Ali's guys. Last show I was at, Ali was there, and people were surrounding Ali, and not the fighters. Like, he's become yeah. like this, this celebrity, and it just seems a little unfair to a lot of fighters that wanted and i'm not saying his fighters aren't very talented or anything but how does that make you know fighters feel when they see something like that uh it sucks i mean more than ones that are actually putting in blood sweat and tears uh you know trying to trying to make it to the next level let me ask you this though tq if you're an up-and-coming fighter and you get that chance to be signed with ali but you know his history you know a couple of things how, how would you feel as a young fighter what would what, what so would you me do? personally, as a young fighter, if I if I had that chance to get signed by him, I would I'd have to say no because I I just morally and ethically I can't I can't work with somebody like that. Personally, I've told you before I don't think that guy belongs to be in our country. Like he needs to fucking go home. Uh, with his background and the things that are that are known, um, that's enough alone. He needs to be home. Uh, with all the stuff that we don't know, you know, with the ties that he has, there there's more that we don't know. So. Just guys like him are the scum of the earth. And the fact that, you know, you've got so many people turning a blind eye and continuing to work with this guy. I mean, it, it says a lot about where we are as just a country and where the sport is. Because the sport is, because it's still building, uh, certain people in the sport are willing to look the other way uh, just to get their brand out there so that they can try to compete with everybody else. Because... If you think about it, if Ali pulls all of his fighters, that's, like you said, that's 80% of the PFL roster right there, right? So the fact that they're willing to just turn their head and, and look the other way just so that they can continue to put on put on good fights, that says a lot about, about that promotion as a whole. And I think it was Mike Russell that did, a, did an article about it. It's a really famous article that you guys can go check out. But recently, he said he was making a documentary. Me and him go through, uh, message each other back and forth because... If you tweet about it in TQ, you know what you're saying right now is going to get a little backlash. Like, people are up in arms that support it, and it just seems like, I think you nailed it on the head. People are turning a blind eye. A lot of his big-name clients, they say nothing but great things, but when you look at it, it just seems it just seems very corrupt, mafia-type. It's a lot of, it, it seems like, it's the freaking mafia, man, is what it, it is. seems like. It is, and, you know, just, all right. Just the fact that he went from being an informant, right, for the NYPD, what exactly was he informing on, right? Did anybody ever take that into account? What was he informing on? He got pulled off of a plane on 9-11 before all that happened. Nobody talks about that stuff. And the people that do talk about it, they get hit with backlash left and right. And I get that, all right, face-to-face, -face, he might be a great guy. Right when he's in your presence and he's you know talking met to you, him. He's, dealing he's, with you, he's a gentleman. He, I've met him in person. He's a nice guy, yeah. but and, and that part, okay, great. I won't take that away from him. But when you look at his history, I know people are like, oh, you know, people deserve second chances to an extent. Right? An extent, there's yeah. there's a definition, not a definition, but there's a distinction between a second chance and just turning your head and and not paying attention to what actually happened. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, even if you look at uh, his clients, all of the Dagestani fighters, right? And this is this is something that Zadine definitely uh, definitely hit on is that 
they're used as a recruiting tool for a lot of the terrorist groups in the Northern Caucasus regions of, uh, of that, that whole area, right? Because all these kids look and they see, they see uh, Zabit uh, Magomedov, they see Khabib, they see all these guys and they're like, oh, I want to be like one of them. And so they use, and again, Khabib as an individual, as a person, as a fighter, you know, he's one of my favorite fighters to watch. I'm a grappler. He, his grappling is second to none, right? But outside of MMA, the fact that he's, you know, the friends that he keeps, his circle, it says a lot about you. Uh, the dictator from Chechnya. Uh, yes, and we've seen them go over there. Uh, yeah, Ramzan Kadyrov. Um, you know, he has Ramzan Kadyrov, who's known to throw homosexuals from buildings. You know, he round, And when they asked him about it, he rounded all the, the homosexuals up in uh, Chechnya had them all slaughtered in the street or tossed from buildings. And then when asked about it, he laughed. And he was like, huh, you're going to ask me these type of questions? What is this? And then he goes, oh, there's no gays here. Like, come on. And he's one of Khabib's best friends. Or the Russian oligarch that Khabib got on the mic after one of his fights and said, hey, you know, uh, President Putin, uh, let our brother go. And this was the same guy, the oligarch, that was funding all of the fighters from AKA. Right? So they were using embezzled money, billions of embezzled dollars to fund fighters from AKA. Who's the manager for all those fighters? Ali Abdelazez, right? So, I mean, it all just goes wow, in man. a circle, um, and it's just people are turning a blind eye left and right. And it's not just in the States. It's, it's worldwide, you know, every country that they fight in. Uh, it's now called Akhmat Fight Club. Uh, uh, no, Ak- what is it? Akhmat Fighting Championships. It used to be... Uh, started with a Z. Damn it, I can't think of what it's called. The whole promotion, it's a Russian promotion um, that basically... Uh, oh, they have little the, children fight too, right? Like under... They did, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. So, but he basically like bulldozed that promotion. Uh, I can't think of what it used to be called. Is this the same uh, people oh, that... Oh, it used to be Absolute, Cham- Absolute Championship Recut, ACB. Oh, ACB, yes, with the yes. with the eagle head. Yes, 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 yes. yes. But it's not ACB anymore. Now it's Akhmat. Really? Uh, yeah, check that out. Is it you still on Fight Pass? Because ACB was on Fight Pass for a while. They were for a while, and then I think they got pulled. But if you look up ACB right now, it's not it's not the uh, wow. It's not Absolute Championship Buquette anymore. And that's where Zabit came from. Zabit went from East. Wow. Yep. How about that? Right. Shy guy, stop. Also, so, you know, was that the same people that uh, kidnapped Fedor's daughter? Do you remember that? That is the same people. No way. Right now, Can you explain to the listeners, because I, I don't remember the full story, maybe you do, about that, which is crazy because, you know, it's Fedor, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. so um, the, the background is that, you know, they wanted Fedor to come fight for their, uh, their promotion, and Fedor said no. Um, and so they went and kidnapped his daughter in an attempt to get him to fight for the promotion. Uh, so taking a step further, uh, Vadim Finkelstein, uh, the guy that runs M1 Global, the owner of M1 Global, uh, he heard about it, and he's the one that intervened and helped to get Fedor's daughter back. He's and also he- the same one that when Fedor was fighting for pride, and he got like $100,000 to fight, and then his manager was like, here, here's your $10,000, uh, Vadim is the one that had his manager's plane uh, shot down um, shortly afterwards. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I didn't hear that. Well, 
Say that. What, what happened? So back when back when uh, Pharaoh was fighting for pride, yeah, his, his initial manager, the the payment for the uh, purse was supposed to be like a hundred thousand dollars, maybe one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and his manager only gave him like ten percent of what the purse was supposed to be. And but Fedor didn't know that. Fedor was just like, "All right, cool. Here's my my ten grand. Like, all right, let's go." And so Batum, was, he was talking to Batum because Fedor and Batum are, are good friends. And he told him, you know, how much he got paid or whatever. And Batum found out, like, no, this is how much he was actually supposed to be getting paid. And then they found out that that Fedor's original manager had been uh, basically stealing from him. He'd been taking, you know, 75, 80, 90 percent of his purses. Um, so they had his plane shot down. Wow. What? Like, like I just said, it's the freaking mafia, man. Like, this is crazy. And I, it's just so weird how nobody really talks about a lot of this. And if you do, like, I know fighters like uh, Joe Gennetti. Uh, he wanted to fight Zabit. He got all these death threats in his DMs and this and that. And he, he trained with Habib. And when he said in the last interview I did still with him a couple weeks ago, said as soon as they found out I was training with Habib, they were like, thank you, my brother. And, like, all that. and yeah. I have nothing against any culture, any race, any sexuality. Everyone's on their own path. Everyone's trying to figure this out in their own way, make sense of this all. And it just seems like we're still in the 1920s in, in, in some places. And in MMA, that's really scary and very alarming. And for fighters like you that are trying to keep it 100 and just do the right thing, and you get, uh, you, you can't be on cards because maybe you're talking about something or, or this and that. And it, it's, it's scary, man. It's scary to be a fighter right now. And uh, I, I just appreciate you talking about that. Have, has anybody ever said anything to you like, thanks for talking about this because I'm afraid to? Have you ever heard that before? Um, no, I haven't got a thank you. Uh, I've got a couple, like, you need to shut your mouth. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, I can't believe you would say stuff like that. Uh, I've gotten a few of those, but I've never gotten, you know, a, a thank you. Um, I've gotten guys that have acknowledged it and like, yeah, man, I've dealt with the same stuff or I've seen that. Um, but they just never had a chance or an outlet or a platform to say anything about it. Um, but I also know that a lot of guys don't want to say anything. You know, if you're trying to make it to the UFC uh, – M1 Global, and I fought for M1 Global. Uh, I, I, learned, I learned about the uh, the stuff with Batum and uh, the stuff with Batum and Fedor's manager after I fought for them uh, from a good buddy of mine, and then he showed me, you know, where he got it from. Um, but you know, you don't want to say anything bad about M1 Global because they're on Fight Pass, right? They feed a lot of their fighters to to the UFC. Uh, Nate Landbar, uh, who's fighting next week, he was uh, the M1 Global 145 champ. Um, he just fought at Gilbert, not Gilbert Burns, um, Herbert Burns, um, you know, uh, ACB or Akhmat Fight Club. Nobody wants to say anything bad about them. Uh, you don't want to say anything bad about any of the management companies because now they're not going to sign you. And they're the ones that are putting on uh, the big names and stuff like that. Um, you know, I was with one of the, the bigger name uh, management companies for a little bit. And the, my manager, uh, Abe, just stopped replying to my text. Wow. Yeah, so it was with first round, uh, Abe Kava. Um, and, you know, I I fought Taylor for all short notice the first time, Titan FC. One, Abe was like, hey, you know, I want to talk to you. Uh, so talked to him, signed with him, and I told him, like, hey, you know, I'm currently under management. You know, uh, how do you feel about that? And he was like, well, you know, We'll work, we'll work that out. And I was like, all right, cool, you know, whatever. So I signed with him. Uh, first fight he offers me is JV, uh, Cavalcanti. Yes. And I was like, man, you know, I'm I'm a welterweight. I'm not a 155er. And he was like, well, you know, that's, that's the, the fight that I got. If you win this fight, I'll get you in the UFC. And I was like, all right, so here we go. And I kill myself trying to make 
155. I got down to like 158 and a half, something like that. Gave up 30% of my purse. Um, and, you know, I lost that fight. We went to a decision. All right, fine. That's I take that one on the chin. That's my fault. Like, I should have I should have done something better to make weight better and then, you know, to win that fight. So I'll take that on the chin. Uh, next fight uh, was Mark Stevens that he set up. Uh, Mark Stevens was on the Ultimate Fighter. I think he was on, like, season 10 or 11. Yes, um, yes. You know, he's been in Bellator. Um, Must be season fight. 11. Yeah. Say what? I think it was season 11. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, that fight, bad fight for me. I I take that on the chin. That's entirely my fault. Uh, so I lost that fight. Um, next fight, he's like, hey, Taylor Crawl wants a rematch. I'm like, all right. Like, okay, this is easy money. I'll, I'll take that fight. Uh, so I took that fight. I win. Um, and he tells me, hey, uh, all right, so we uh, we got a shot at getting you on the Contender Series uh, after that win because that was the one, if you remember, his arm kind of twisted twisted and went all different directions. Um, so I'm like, all right, cool. So January, they're looking for participants for the Contender. I'm like, hey, man, like, what's up? Where are we at with this? And he's like, well, you know, they want you to get another win because uh, – your last two wins came from the same person. I'm like, well, okay, that's fine, whatever. Um, but then after that, that was literally the last thing that, that we said to each other. Just stop replying. That was it. I went, I got the other win uh, against Wesley Golden um, uh, about a month later, and that was nothing. No replies, wow. no nothing. Yeah. So where did that leave you as a fighter? Because you're still not afraid to talk about anything. You're still out there saying you're 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 one of the true ones, just trying to keep everything real and just like where did that leave you in your head? Like, did you go through the thoughts of like, should I leave this or what kept you going after that? Um. So, so. honestly, outside of Jay Z, Mark Stevens, and Taylor Crawl for the second time, uh, I've I've matched most of my fights by myself. I mean. 15 out of 18 pro fights, either the promoters contacted me directly or I reached out to the promoters. Uh, and, I mean, I haven't really used a manager that much. Um, I have signed with uh, Isaac Reeves uh, from uh, uh, Team Ruiz Management, uh, Team Ruiz Fighter Management. Um, but really for, I mean, if it's a local fight, like I don't need a manager to get me a local fight. Um, Island Fights on UFC Fight Pass. I have Dean Tool's phone number in my, my phone. I can just text Dean like, hey, man, I need a fight. I think you helped me out one time with one of my... Uh, one yeah, of one, one of you guys was trying to get into one yeah. of uh, his events. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, for local stuff, like, I don't need a manager for that. Like, I want a manager to try to push me to a bigger show. And so that's what Isaac has tried to do. He's been trying for years to push me to a bigger show. And, you know, every time something comes up, I say yes immediately. He's like, hey, what do you think? Yes. Well, you didn't hear what I had to Yes. Like, do it. I'll just You can sign the contract. I'll say that it was my signature. Um, but it's just just nothing ever comes to fruition. Um, there's been a couple of cases with Bellator where he messaged me like, hey, what do you think about this? Um, there was a guy, uh, is it Nelson Malo? I think it was. That sounds familiar. Uh, like, oh, Nelson Malo, like Rat Pack or something like that. Uh, and... They wanted me to fight him at 165 on, like, 10 days' notice, and I was, like, done. And, you know, that never came to fruition. Really? Uh, the Joe Schilling thing never came to fruition. And every time one of these fights happens or gets offered, it ends up going to somebody with either a similar record like mine or a worse record than mine, 
and then that person ends up just being absolutely terrible when they step out there. What an interesting story you have, especially somebody that's put in all the work for the country as well. Like you would think more people would get behind you, and especially with your skills. I mean, I, I saw you're, you're with you're with Belcher. How how has that been going? Uh, well, no, no. So Belcher. So we had Aaron Johnson, uh, Tex Johnson, uh, training at our gym for a few months, and then Belcher is only about an hour and a half, two hours away from us. Uh, so Belcher was getting ready for a submission grappling thing. And uh, he came over to come train with us. So it was me, uh, Tex Johnson, and, and Alan Belcher. Um, and that was fun. That was an interesting night. You know, both those guys outweighed me by 40 pounds. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but, yeah, so we had uh, Tex Johnson training with us for about five months. He just left when this whole uh, yeah. coronavirus thing. Because, you know, if we shut the gym down, what's he going to do? He's got, he's got nothing to do. So uh, he left when that happened. Um, not sure what the, what's going to happen when we open back up, if we are able to open back up. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry if you keep hearing those clicks. I'm in like a group chat over here. I can't even show up the note. Are you hearing those clicks? Uh-uh. Oh, okay, good. Uh, hopefully our uh, listeners aren't hearing it either. But, um, before we wrap things up, I mean, where do you see the rest of this year going? We're not even in the summer yet. Like, what have you been hearing? Do you think things are going to get back to normal by the end of the year? What, what do you really think is going to happen? So I think one of three things is going to happen, right? So the first one is that, uh, you know, we go back to normal uh, or normalcy and we, uh, you know, open everything back up, people get to working, and then a second wave of this hits and then they go into an even tighter lockdown than what they just did. Um, and when that happens, then we're definitely going to hit an economic depression, the economy is going to crash and things are just going to go crazy. Um, or we're going to hit, uh, option two is we're going to, everybody's going to be done with this. They're going to be fed up and be like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going back to work. They're just going to start opening up businesses, opening up, uh, whatever, whatever it is that they, they do for their occupation. They're just going to be like, I'm just going to do this. Um, and people are just going to have to deal with it. And I think that's actually the best option. And that's the most likely option. Uh, and then option three is just mass hysteria left and right. This continues until the economy collapses. Um, in which case I've got like 10,000 rounds of ammo, uh, in my closet. I've got a couple rifles and, uh, that's when the, that's when the fun starts. Yeah. And you know what? There's, there's some pretty funny memes going around, like how I thought I would be looking like at the end of the world and how I am. And it's like people in their pajamas and stuff like that right now. Yeah. Oh, I just got a call. But, um, to, to, to wrap this up, I got to agree with uh, the whole second wave thing coming because people are going out and if it's going to spread, it's going to spread. Uh, like this and it's just scary like I'll go out and there's hundreds of people at the shopping centers and they're like I was just driving around Target there's people standing in line at Target just trying to go in what do you need from Target like you you can I've been ordering a lot of Uber Eats and stuff like that I mean you got you got the little ones with you how, how are they dealing with this so I actually because we have positive cases on base um, and I didn't want to uh, you know potentially get her you know involved in that so she's with her mom right now. Okay. Um, so it's just me, me in the house by myself. I mean, I got the dogs, but that's about it. Uh, but you know, so you have the luxury of being able to, you know, afford Uber Eats. Um, so you can do that. But I mean, what about the the single mom that is trying to make that twelve hundred dollars because she hasn't been able to work for two months, and she's trying to make that twelve hundred dollars stretch for the next however however long because she doesn't know. Um, like we really do just need to open the economy back up. 
And that, that's in all aspects, salons, because really, if you think about it, every business is essential. Um, whether it's something that you use personally or not, that's how that person makes their living, right? So to say, no, how this person makes their living is more important than how you make your living, they've still got a family to feed. And like me and my girlfriend talking about it last night, and it's just like, the world's like a body. Like everyone does their own part to keep things flowing. And if you yes. take one little section away, it's not going to function correctly. Exactly. So it, it's just crazy right now. And I just hope everybody is at least staying entertained. Uh, my last question, like what have you been watching? Have you been watching or reading anything? Uh, what right, are you interested so in right when, now? Like right now I'm, I'm working on my yard. I'm going to get back to that when we get off here. Uh, but have you seen Banshee? No, I've, I've heard, I've heard of Banshee. Holy shit. You have to watch Banshee. It, to me, it's the best show that nobody ever heard of. A guy that I work with, uh, he came in one Monday and he was like, yo, I just binge-watched this entire fucking It came out like a year ago show. or maybe two years no, ago. It, so it came out back in like 2012 or 13. They did four seasons of it and then they stopped it. So like the last season was over in 2014 or 15. But he tells me about it and I was like, all right, well, I've never heard of it. And I go watch the first episode and I'm like, oh my God. Like, so I've been binge-watching that. What is like, it about though? Not- just for our listeners. Right, so uh, long story short, this guy gets out of jail. When he gets out, you find out that he was a really famous uh, diamond thief. Um, he stole diamonds with this girl that he really loved. When, they did, when they did their last heist, the police were chasing him. He let her get away, and he took the fall. He gets out of jail 19 years later, <coughs> and he goes back to, to look for her. Then it comes out that like she was actually this mobster's uh, daughter, um, and they were actually stealing from the mobster. Uh, like a Ukrainian mafia boss. Um, he finds out that she got the diamonds stolen from her, so he doesn't get the diamonds. Uh, and he finds out that she's married and has kids, so he doesn't get the girl either. Um, he's drinking at a bar. The new sheriff for that small town, Banshee, is in the bar. Uh, some shit happens between two other guys in the bar and the sheriff. And all of a sudden, the sheriff's dead. So now he's going to pretend to be the sheriff of so he nobody's oh, seen this whoa. new sheriff. Yeah. So nobody's seen this new sheriff. So they don't know what he looks like. So he shows up and he's Man. like, Yeah, hey guys, what's up? I'm the new sheriff. And he doesn't know anything about the law. They're like, Hey, you've got this crime taking place over here. And he's like, Boom, kicking in doors, like, what's up? And they're like, You can't you can't do that. I just did, let's fucking go. <laughs> and the whole time yes. he's still trying to still trying to win the girl back. The mob boss finds out he's alive. Wow. Uh, like and this whole thing, it just, like, spirals out of control. It's crazy. That sound that actually sounds really interesting. Like, wow, that's got to be a badass. It, it reminds me of, like, on that, uh, like, the transporter kind of a role, in a way. Yeah, just... <laughs> kind of. And there's, there's tons of fight scenes, really good fight scenes, tons of shootouts, and tons of sex and nudity. So, it, like, it hits all the things that you would potentially want to see. TQ, I want to thank you so much for joining us once again. You know what we like to do. I hand the imaginary microphone over to you if you have any sponsors, any uh, shout-outs, social media tags. The floor is now all yours. All right, so uh, all my normal sponsors, uh, Rapid Rehydration, Trahan Family Funeral Homes, Musso Gear, uh, Haga Gear, um, and then my newest sponsor, uh, First Warrior. Um, they just, uh, just started hooking me up uh, a couple months ago right before all this kicked off, so I haven't really been able to do much for them. Um, but, I mean... That is what it is, and then always thank you to all my team and family and friends and everybody like that. And are, like, when do you, when do you think you're going to get back in there? Because we are seeing some talks of 
opening back up, you know, MMA, basically. So I've had a couple promotions that have asked, like, hey, if you did a fight in the next two weeks, would you be ready to go? And I was like, yeah. Um, there's Eminence Promotions in Mobile. Uh, there's um, uh, Atlas Fights, which I'm the 185 and welterweight champ for. Um, so, uh, I mean, there's there's some options. And I heard, uh, you know, I heard that maybe Titan FC is going to be doing an event over in Jacksonville. Uh, so there's, there's some, some options out there. So I'm looking at June, maybe July, but I'm ready. If they say, Hey, let's fight in two weeks. I'm like, all right, let's go. What about grappling, uh, submission and, and all that's going on right now as well? So I'm actually going to be doing a five on five, uh, grappling thing. It's going to happen, and we're not supposed to give all the information about it, but it's going to happen here, uh, May 16th. Um, it's going to be closed, no audience, but they are going to stream it. Uh, it's five on five, all subs are legal, and basically it's winner stays out. So if your first guy goes and he submits all five of their next team, then they lost and they're done. So it's first team to lose five matches <coughs> um, and have, you know, somebody standing. So can I ask you, son, legal. Chip, can I, can I ask you, son, because a lot of the talk is, oh, no crowds, it's going to be weird. Have you guys not seen the old shows in Japan where there's thousands of people and you can, you can hear a pin drop? <laughs> Like, yeah, they keep their silent. <laughs> they're, just like, they're politely watching. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's going to happen May 16th. It's going to be me and uh, a couple other guys um, from the gym, and then a buddy of mine's driving over from uh, Jacksonville, Florida, um, to come participate in that. So we got some things to look forward to. Make sure to go follow TQ at Apex170 over on Instagram. Also, it's the same on Twitter as well, correct? It is, yeah. So there you go. Champ, enjoy mowing the yard, and we will be talking sooner than later. And make sure to send me the links from what we discussed early on in the podcast, and I'll try to find the article as well. Um, yeah. So I'm going to take care of this yard first, but you're going to get a whole bunch of links sent a little bit later. All right, that sounds good. Thank you, TQ. God bless, and stay safe. God bless. You too. There you guys there. go. The champ. TQ. And that does it for this episode of Pure Evil MMA. I know you guys may have heard the rats going crazy. But I got UFC going on over here. I mean, let me just show you guys like, the map. Like, they're, they're fighting over there. They're fighting behind me, behind Conor McGregor. I mean, it's, it's going down. Did you guys see the... Uh, and if you're listening on the podcast, which is... We're basically 90% of the listeners of this show come from... Go over to our YouTube channel. Go over to our Periscope. You will get notified as soon as I go live because I haven't been uh, setting them up. Like, I don't like to uh, say what's going to happen and then it's going to fall through. It just doesn't look good. So go subscribe on Periscope, Pure Evil MMA. Also on YouTube, youtube.com slash Pure Evil MMA. I got to catch these rats. I got to get to my girl's house. She's getting angry. She's got to be fed. So that does it for me here at Pure Evil MMA. Remember, without evil, there was no purity. When it to the end, it was awesome. Oh, that was crazy. <laughs>